So in this challenging time, there is a, an antidote for the, the uh, angst that we all sense and feel, and it's the love of God. So this is actually lesson six on unconditional love, which is the missing ingredient that just causes life to be better. How many have experienced that kind of love? So we're talking about that, and this is lesson number six. And uh, just by way of review, before I even get there, my notes are online and uh, you can uh, always go back. There's a lot. If you haven't heard any of this series, it's all on our website. You can easily find it. Go there. The notes are there. The um, video audio is there. So and you can catch up. I really encourage you to do that. You know, all my life, let me say I've walked with Jesus. I'm into my 45th year. All my life of walking with Jesus, I've always, I've always taken time throughout the day to hear the word. You can get our MP3s, which are online. Listen to them in your car. You can listen to them at home. You know, you you can broadcast them on whatever device you have. I encourage you to do that. This is a day not to, not to go less in the word more. We need more of God. We need more of his word. We need more of his presence. Yes or no? And there's so many voices fussing and hollering at us. Till a lot of people are kind of backing up. This is not a time to back up. Get the word. We've got lots available on the website. Take advantage of it. I'm making a podcast Monday through Friday. I've been doing that since... Uh, Oh, my goodness, mid-October now. And uh, so I encourage you, those are available on our website. You can find them on Facebook, Spotify, Podca uh, Podbean, uh, Apple Podcasts. They're all available. Really encourage about 15 minutes or so a day. I just want to touch your life as a pastor. Right now I'm sharing on the subject of healing. And I can't encourage enough the reason I do that because faith comes by hearing and 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 hearing. So what are you hearing most of? That's what you got faith for. Yes or no? Anyway, they're available. All that's free. We've been talking about the love of God. And I've mentioned there's no spiritual growth without growth in love. Love is the gauge. My growth in love, my ability to love my enemies, my ability to be kind to people who are unkind to me, uh, my ability to smile and do things sweet and nice for people who are not sweet and nice to me, that gauges my spiritual growth, my spiritual development. And it should be as we grow in God year after year, love, love comes to center place in life. So, see, I always gauge myself. How am I doing this year with my quote-unquote love life as opposed to last year? And I, am I able not just to tolerate people who don't like me, but do I love them? Am I kind to them? Do I hold offense easily or do I let things go easily? Am I easily offended or do I let things go? Am I quick to anger? Am I quick to judge? You see, it gets quiet now, see? So, so where am I now as opposed to last year? Where, I want to be, where do I want to be next year? Don't you want to be a greater lover next year than you are right now? So that's the reason we're talking about this. So, so, so you know, ethnicity, socioeconomic class, male, female, and how about whether you're Republican or Democrat? You're supposed to love everybody. And I've never seen a div more divided United States of America. I know we're in angst with the COVID-19, all the restrictions. People are fed up with the masks and all the restrictions. I get it. Everybody feels it. And it creates, you know, in all of us kind of a, you know, just a, just a weird, uh, I'm, I'm done and we're on edge, right? And then besides that, all the political stuff going on with the unsettledness of the election. It's just crazy and nuts time. So, you know, well, I got a right. No, you don't have a right to be nasty. You, you don't have a right to be mean. You don't have a right to, quote, venture spleen. 
No, that means be bitter and angry towards people. We've got to, we're supposed to love people and show the example. So see, I ask myself that when I'm out because I feel like you do. Stick my mask on in the, in the store, you know, and everybody's doing their stuff and you have thoughts and feelings and you've got to put them down and love people. Whether you feel like it or not, yes or no. Jesus said this, John 13, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I've loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know you're my disciples if you have a love for one another. So how's my love life? That's what I have for my Would people know that I'm a Christian if I never went to church, if I didn't dress or act a certain way, say certain things, if you take away my Christian ease, my Christian speak, if I just, if, if you knew, didn't know I was a Christian, would you know or you say, would people know you're a believer by the way you treat them? That's good, right? So anyway, we got, this is sixth lesson on this. We've covered five things about love. Uh, uh, part two, part one, we just covered love strongly. Part three, we looked at 16 things the New Testament says about love. There's just an admonition over and over again to love. And the emphasis tells us that we need to say that we really need to love. And if you didn't hear that, go back and hear it. And uh, then this is, uh, right now we're going through 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. And this is the third time we've done this. We've got 15 things the Bible says about love, characteristics of love from 1 Corinthians 15. We've already spent two Sundays on it, and we'll have a few more on it. The last two times from 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Uh, let me read that before I even share those things. Love suffers long, is kind, does not envy, does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. We'll come to that one today. Everybody say, thinks no evil. See, that's verse 5. We'll go, that's where we are. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. So uh, the last two times we've covered eight of these 15 characteristics of love. Love's willing to suffer a long time and treat people kindly while it's suffering. And then love is not jealous, it doesn't brag, it's not proud, it's not rude. It puts others first, it doesn't respond with anger and offense. And today I got one. We're only going to cover one because it's maybe one of the most important. Love does not keep lists of wrongs. So thinks no evil, King James Version says, uh, New King James. Amplified is my favorite on this particular phrase uh, takes no account, says love takes no account of the evil done to it, pays no attention, wow, to a suffered wrong. So it just brings questions, doesn't it? So when people treat me wrong or, or in a way that I think is not right or unfair or unjust, uh, do I pay no attention to it or do I get mad? Question mark. Don't answer that out loud. Right? The Greek word there is really interesting. You know the word logistics? That word comes from this word thinketh, thinks. Pays no attention. Takes no account. In fact, Amplified says takes no account. That word account. And then the New King James, the word thinks. No evil. The word thinks. Logo, logo, logizomai is the way you pronounce that. It really means take an inventory. Let's talk about making a list. Isn't that crazy? So, so here's the question. Love keeps no record of wrongs, or you could say love doesn't 
make lists. What does that mean? That means, that means when you're, you know, fellowshipping with people, whether they're on the job, they're in your family, it's your spouse, it's your children, it's your extended family. Christmas time, we're getting together. When you look at somebody, is there a list in your mind about what they've said, what they've done, or what they failed to do for you? Yes or no? You got, you got to think about it, right? See, see, that's what it says. Love doesn't make those lists. It acts towards others as if they had never done anything wrong. Now, now listen, I've been walking with Jesus since 1976. And as I read, I've read 1 Corinthians 13 thousands of times. Thousands and thousands by now. But when I think about walking in love, that's the first thing I look at. And I ask myself, am I taking account? Am I making a list? Am I taking account of the wrongs people do towards me? Am I paying attention to them? Am I thinking about them when I think about that person? See, right? So, 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 so. So here's the deal. If I got a list in my head, when I think about someone, about what they have or haven't done to or for me, then guess what that does? Immediately, it pits my emotions against them. Right? Because, see, thoughts and emotions go hand in hand. In fact, uh, thoughts fuel, think about this, in a healthy person, as long as everything's okay physically, uh, thoughts fuel emotions the way Food fuels my body. So if I've got a certain emotion towards somebody, the first thing I need to think, okay, what am I thinking about them? Is that true? So, so it's not possible to have good feelings towards somebody and hang on to that list. It gets quiet, right? Is that true? So for anybody, I don't care who it is in my life, if I'm not feeling good about them, see, I, I've got to back up and I've got to think, okay, what, what kind of list it might be two items or 200 items. What is it? What is it? Now, see, in marriages, how many know the longer you're married, the sweeter you ought to be to each other? I, got a, I wanted to see a response on that one. You're not just tolerating each other. You're supposed to love one another. Right? So, so what happens in marriage? Well, if, if you keep lists, if you keep records... And see, what happens when a person keeps records? Then when the heat of the moment, when you're aggravated about something, that record comes out of your mouth. You remember when? You know what you, you know what you did. You remember what you said. Remember what you didn't. You didn't remember my birthday for the third year in a row. You didn't remember our anniversary, yada, yada, right? Or anything else, lists. Those lists cause us to be uh, emotionally upset towards people. So, you know, I'm just trying to make it real simple for me. If I have any tinge of awkward unsettledness towards a person, that tells me I'm hanging on to a list. And say, so what do you do with the list? You take it before God. And I do this. Y'all, I have to do it a lot. I, I got to be real with you. I do. If I've got any twinge of any sense of feeling other than kindness and love and concern and care, then I have to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I got to talk to you about so-and-so. Now, nobody will ever hear this. I never say anything. Do I ever say anything to you, Susan? Never, ever. Do I ever? Never. This never comes out my mouth to anybody. I, I say, Lord, I got to talk to you about this. See, I'm, I'm feeling this about so-and-so, and I'm not sure why can you talk to me and help me. Then I sit there a little while, get quiet, and you know he speaks. 
And then I can see them holding on to a conversation. Or I thought this person would act this way and they didn't. Or I thought they would respond this way and they chose to respond a different way. And see, I'm holding on. Uh, I'm, I'm holding an inventory. I'm not letting it go. So when I go to them, I'm just not as warm as I was, right? So I have to take that to the Lord. Say, Lord, help me. Here's what I do. I say, Lord, now you see what's in my mind now, I'm going to place that right before the throne of God. My response to them is wrong. I shouldn't be holding on to it. And I ask you to forgive me for my response towards so-and-so for what they said, for what they did, whatever the, whatever the thing is. I, make it a, I, make, I try to make it a one-sentence statement. Father, so-and-so did such-and-such, and it made me feel like they didn't care or like I was not in the room or like they didn't want to, you know, help or do whatever. And I say, Lord, that's wrong. I held on to it. It's wrong. So right now, by faith, I let it go and I completely forgive them. And I ask you to forgive me for holding on to it in Jesus' name. You get it? I mean, that's how you do it. And if you don't do that, then you got lists. I promise, if you don't do that, you have lists. That's why husbands and wives, over the years, they get crass, aggravated. Shut up. Will you shut up? Will you shut up? Slam doors, you know. Leave the, leave the, leave the potty up. The man will. So, well, she'll sit on that. And I'll teach her a lesson. I mean, you know, just crazy stuff. I probably shouldn't have gave that illustration, but you know what I mean. <laughs> you leave your clothes all over the floor. Don't make the bed up. Well, he'll make it up. She'll make it up. Well, do it for them. Why not? See, you do all kinds of things. Well, I'll, I'll show them. I'll show them. I'll just be a little too late coming in. I mean, just crazy how we act. Is that true? So how do you overcome it? Don't make lists. If you make a list, and you know, sometimes you can't help but accrue a list. Because sometimes you have tough days. Do you? And you just got to say, God, I got to give this to you. So uh, I got to tell this story. I got two stories, and we'll be done with this because I want to make illustrations clear here. This happened, I was in my mm, mid-20s or so. This is the 1980s. I was a counseling director at that church in Tulsa, I'll tell you about it all the time. And the guy came to see me, and I didn't, you know, I wasn't paying attention. He had something in his hand, but I wasn't paying attention. He had some big old thick thing in his hand. He put it on the desk, and I really didn't pay attention. I was looking at him, how you doing? And they filled out a little form, intake form, big church, you know. So I got his name because I didn't know him. His name, and, you know, we talked, bantered back and forth a little bit just to break the ice when he came in my office. And, and um, so finally I said, well, well, what can I help you with today? And I really didn't know that. I mean, you had 5,000 people in the church. You're just not going to know everybody personally. So I said, how can I help you? And he said, well, it's my wife. And he began to tell me, I mean to tell you, y'all. He talked to me about his wife, what she wasn't, what she should have done, what she didn't do, how she acted, how she failed to treat him. And he just, and I said, mm-hmm. So, you know, I just kind of sat back in my chair. I said, well, just keep talking. Just tell me the whole thing. And boy, I mean, he commenced to telling me the whole thing for a while. So I say, well, you know, sometimes the best way you help somebody is just give them enough rope to hang themselves. <laughs> so I just let him talk. And y'all, at the end of the conversation, I'm not making this up, end of the conversation. He said, now you know how I know she did this? I said, well, no, why don't you tell me how? He said, you see what I just brought? And then I finally looked at the desk. You remember that old computer paper that had the little holes on both sides? And it comes up out of a box and feeds it. Do they still do that place? Uh, Some place, I think DMV maybe do that. I don't know. Huh? Yeah. So, you know, feed it into the little machine, you know, and it prints out, you know. So he had that kind of paper. Y'all, it was, it was, it was four inches thick, had to be. And, and he took that paper and said, 
look at this, and, and took the top of it just like that. And all the way from as far as his arm would go up there, all the way down to the floor. He said, I said, well, what's on it? He said, look. Y'all, when I looked at that sheet, I have never seen anything like it in my life. Boy, I thought, my God, if I was a woman, I wouldn't, wouldn't be married to him. Date, time, offense. Hundreds and hundreds. He, he typed them all up. Yeah, I know. I went, wow. He said, yeah, look at that. And I said, I'm looking, I see. And I would read some of them, you know. And I said, so she did all that? He said, well, yes, she did. Well, I said, well, you got a real problem, don't you? And he didn't know where I was going. I chewed on him. I did. I said, my friend, are you a Christian? When did you come to Jesus? What happened when you came to the Lord? Did God forgive your sin? Does God remember anything you've ever done your whole life before you know Jesus? And then after you know Jesus, if you mess up, does God forgive your sin? He answered all those affirmatively. Then, then what are you doing keeping all this towards your wife? What if God did that to you when you get to heaven? Boy, I got on him. He tucked his tail between his legs. And I was nice to him. But y'all, I had to be firm. You understand, right? I'd never seen anything like that in my life. But you know, most people don't do what he did. Now, there's personality types that they would call that. All right. Narcissistic, uh, histrionic. Let's see. Uh, the list goes on and on. That's tough stuff right there. That's abuse material right there, okay? But I saw he had a deep problem, y'all. But you know, it taught me a big lesson. I have never, ever forgot that man. Now, I prayed for him. I never forgot him. And I said, God, help me not to ever do that. Oh, man. Y'all ever do that? See, love doesn't take account, doesn't make lists of the evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong, doesn't brood over past mistakes and all that. So, you know, his wife had committed crimes against him. And in his mind, she was completely guilty. And he was both judge and jury. And he had already passed the verdict. And he was wanting me to say, yeah, you probably ought to leave her. Uh, he wasn't real happy with me when I finished. But he understood that God had something that he wanted to do in his life. So, so let me balance this out a little bit. So love doesn't make lists on the other hand. And I'll get to this later on because, uh, you know, it's another part of this love teaching. Love stands for what is right. So if you're in an abusive situation where somebody's saying things and doing things that harm you physically, harm your children, uh, harm life, they're irresponsible so bad you're about to be evicted from the house financially, yada, yada, yada. Those kind of things, you've got to be real and honest with those things. And it's not that you keep a list, but you've got to deal with it forthrightly or everything could come unglued. Yes or no? And I've dealt with those kinds of things as a pastor. So balance out what I'm saying. Generally speaking, when somebody says or does something I don't like and it's to me and it's not affecting everybody, it's just me and it's a thing between me and them, I'm supposed to take no thought. I think no evil. I don't make a list. How many get it? 
So let me tell you another story. This is, this is literally 40 years ago right now in the month of December. So Susan and I have moved to Oklahoma. I was in Bible school. Both of us enrolled together. We were going to school. I had gotten a job at a, at a grocery store that's, uh, I don't know, probably the other side of the Mississippi River. And it was a big grocery chain worldwide. And this grocery store had a union in it. And uh, they paid me, I thought, a lot of money for the age I was, and for me working at a grocery store, I became night manager. And so that means I work from 11 at night to 7 in the morning, and then I get off, go home, take a shower, get Susan, and we'd hightail to school. And we'd go to school till 2 o'clock in the afternoon, then I'd go let her off at work, and then I'd go to bed. So it was a tough time, you know, physically, and I never got used to working nights. Nonetheless, I was night manager. And so I had responsibilities to, uh, actually I oversaw all of the uh, product in the store. Uh, I ordered all of the store and made sure that a crew of people, you know, put it on the shelves every night. We also made sure the store was ready in every way. We absolutely, we took care of the floors and all that. So we just made sure the store was ready on the next day for business every single day. I mean, seven days a week, never stopped. So that was my job and I was the night manager. So I didn't have to join the union. This store had a union and that union paid these, in my opinion, it paid these uh, employees an exorbitant amount of money. And uh, I thought, wow, that's really crazy. So, so December of 1980, here I am trying to paint the picture. Um, uh, the meat department people at the time, the meat cutters actually cut meat in the store. They don't do that now. They took whole halves of cows and their legs and all hind quarters. And I mean, they carved them out and made all the steak, you know, so they were not happy with what they were being paid. So they went on strike all across that whole uh, union in that particular grocery store. And they were encouraging all the rest of the uh, employees in the grocery store to go on strike with them. So uh, anyway, so I, I got my little lunch bag in my hand. And it's, you know, 1045 at night. And I'm walking up to the store. And when I get there, here's a picket line. All across the whole front uh, parking lot of the store. And you got people in, I'm not kidding, they had, they had hands, signs in their hands. And they're walking back and forth, yada, yada, yada on their sign. You know, we need different wages. We need different this, that, the other, you know. And they're just walking back and forth. And I, you know, I'm from, I'm a country boy from South Carolina. I've never seen anything like that in my life. I thought, this is cuckoo. What are they doing? And I thought, well, you know, I got to work because I'm going to school. Man, it's just hand to mouth right now. I got to work. And then I wasn't in the union anyway, and they required me as the night manager to be there. So I got out my car with my little bag in my hand, and I'm, I'm, I'm going across the picket line. And here's one guy. He said, Mitch, is that you? I said, uh-huh. And then, I don't know what this word means. Can I, I forgot I meant to look it up. I'm going to say it if it's bad, y'all tell me. He said, you scabbing on me, boy? I think it's an acronym for something, scab. Uh, don't tell me what it is yet. <laughs> he looked, said, you scabbing on me, boy? I said, well, no, I'm not scabbing on anybody. I'm just going to work. I got to work. He said, you crossing the picket line? I said, uh, well, you know, I got to eat. And I'm in, I'm in school and I got to pay my bills. So yeah. And besides that, I'm not in the union. So I'm, you know, I'm management. So I got to go. He got mad at me. He said everything but nice. He had some really colorful words that uh, they were real colorful. I had all kinds of syllables to them. And he called me those names. You know, I walked in the store and said, man. So, I mean, for the next several nights, I'm going to work. And there he is. There's a scab. There's the scab. Look at the scab. Blah, 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 all kinds of words, y'all. I mean, y'all. I said, well, hey, how you doing? It's going to be a great night, isn't it? Blah, 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 blah. Oh, boy, he was cussing me a blue streak, you know. 
So this happened, you know, every night I go, they got the picket line going on, and it lasted a couple of weeks. Seriously, it had broke, it had broke my bank. Me, I had to work, man. So anyway, they got over it. Short of the story was, um, uh, so, so it finally ended. And, you know, so as night manager, we worked in there all night. Seven o'clock in the morning, the store employees come in seven o'clock in the morning. So, so here he comes the next morning after the, the strike has ended. They got what they wanted, yada, yada. And, and so I, I have to, they knock on the door with their keys, knock, 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 knock. And so I come up to the front. I unlock the door and let the morning employees in because I'm getting ready to leave by, you know, next 30 minutes or so. So I, here he is at the door. And he's the one who called me a scab and other colorful little wonderful names. And I unlocked the door. I opened it and say, well, hi, so-and-so. How you doing? Now, you know what? I'd never been treated this way. To him, I was the invisible man. He never acknowledged I opened the door. He didn't even acknowledge I was standing there. He just did this. Walked straight ahead. And, and then, you know, we had to clean up and get things ready to go. And the night crew's getting ready to leave. But, you know, people would come in. They're drinking their coffee before they punch in for work and all that. And so you got a group of people standing here with their little coffee cups. And they're talking about whatever, just bantering back and forth. So I walk up and I start making conversation. And then he's in the group with his little coffee cup. He's just been there a few minutes. He hadn't said a word to me at the door. And then I say, so, and I say something to him, blah, 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 just whatever in the context of conversation. He never even acknowledged I spoke. He looked at somebody else and said something else. And I thought, okay, this is weird. What's this guy doing to me? And then, and then, you know, before I left, every time I go by him, he's just like, I'm the invisible man. He wouldn't say a word to me. I'd make comments to him. He'd just never say a word. I thought, all right, I never, I've never been treated like this. What am I going to do with this? You know, and, you know, I'm in my early 20s. I'm at, uh, what, 23, 20, I think I was about 20. Well, 22. I was 22 years old. And so he was in his late 50s, you know. I thought, man, this guy ought to know better than this. But, you know, I, was, I, was, I remembered walking in love. Well, you know, the Bible tells me not to take account of the evil done to me. Pay attention, pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Acts towards people that do it wrong as if they had done nothing wrong. And I felt in my heart, that's how I need to treat this guy. Because I was thinking, what am I going to do? I'm going to meet him every morning. And what am I going to do with this? Do I chew him out because of how he's treating me? Do I fuss at him because he's not acknowledging me? Do I challenge him because he's mad at me? What do I do? And I just kept hearing love him. Take no account. Take no account. Take no account. So every morning, no kidding, I'm trying to make a long story short, I can't. (laughs) Every morning, uh, he comes to the door, open the door. Well, hi, so-and-so. Here's what I chose to do. I treated him just as though he was doing nothing wrong. Open the door. Well, how you doing, so-and-so? Stone face, walked right by, conversations, you know, ignored me, made other conversations when I tried to enter in as though I had said nothing. And that went on, y'all. It went on day after day, week after week for a couple of months. Can you imagine doing that every single day? And I made the choice. Lord, I'm going to pray for this man when I leave work. When he comes to my mind, I'm going to pray for him. Because, you know, there's obviously a challenge. He's so mad at me because I didn't support what they were doing. I I think I kind of get that, but I'm going to love this man. I'm not going to take account. So I made a choice to treat him as though he did nothing wrong. And every day, honest, every day. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. I'm seeing him in the store before I leave. Hi, good to see you. God bless you. Hope you have a great day. He never said a word. I did that for, it might have been three months. And then one day, seriously, one day, I opened the door. 
And I said, well, hi, so-and-so, how you doing? Now, if I'd had false teeth, I'd spit them on the floor. Because he said, well, hi, Mitch, how you doing? Good to see you. It's a great day, ain't it? I said, well, ain't it, though? It's a great day. Uh, yeah, yeah, good to see you. And then I come in and, you know, banter, you know, in a circle, drinking coffee. I say something, he talks to me. And he just acts like nothing ever happened. I thought, all right, this is weird. This is pretty weird. But I made a choice. You know, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a character problem with him. And I've got to make a choice. What am I going to do with the character problem he's having? What am I going to do with that? See, I can make his problem my problem. Or I can do what God said. And I keep that problem out of my life. What am I going to do? And you know, I was young. I was 22 years old. But you, can't, you just don't know how many times throughout the years of my life that man has come back to my mind. The way he treated me or didn't treat me. What he refused to do. For, for, it was maybe between two and three months and every single day. And God reminds me constantly, Mitch, when people treat you like a, a way that you think you don't deserve to be treated, love them anyway. Don't make a list because love doesn't take account of the evil done to it. Doesn't pay attention to a suffered wrong. Treat the offending party as if they had done no wrong. So, how you doing with that? Question mark. Are you making lists? Are you treating people differently? Are you giving them the silent treatment? I mean, really, you know, if I change my behavior because of what someone said or did, I'm not walking in love. I'm remembering. Because love doesn't make lists. Again, amplified New Testament takes no account of the evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong. And you know, over the years, I've not been perfect at that, and I've had to repent a boatload of times. But I can tell you, when you make a choice to walk in love, it makes a lot of difference. You don't have all these emotional encumbrances all around you. You know, you're not ill at ease all the time. Some people, they're calculated with life. Well, I can't go so, uh, to such and such a place because so and so might be there, and I ain't going to be around them. Or they're walking around in the store and see somebody. Well, we didn't have a good conversation last time. I believe I'll go. I got to, you know, I got to go back. I'm in the grocery store. You know, I, got, you know, I forgot. I got to go get some more produce. And that's on the other side. That's just a good convenient out right there. Look at that. Oh, I got to go get some milk. You know, it's way in the back. And they're way up here. I just walk around them. If you're doing that kind of stuff, you got a list. So God help us deal with our lists. Is that good? To close your eyes, I'm really done. This is amazing. Look at this. Wow. This is really incredible. So here we are, Lord. This is a, a lot to deal with today. And here it is, Christmas time. And we're going to be around family, and some family aren't nice. And they don't treat us nice. Um, they're vindictive, and they remember. And you've called us not to remember or make lists. So, Lord, for me, help me. Anytime a list begins to uh, be itemized in my mind towards anybody, help me to give that list to you. And for fully and completely forgive the person by faith in Jesus' name. And I pray for every person in the room who is just like me. Things happen in the office. Things happen on the job. Things happen among friends. Things happen at school. Things happen... Things happen, you know, just at home with spouses, with children, with relatives. 
Lord, I ask in Jesus' name, let the Spirit of God, Lord, let him move in us and help us to, to, to erase the lists, tear the lists up. Lord, let your eraser come. We sometimes have a pencil and we're making lists. Help us to turn the pencil around to the eraser and let it all go in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I just give thanks. Lord, while I'm pondering in your presence a moment, I ask you, let the Spirit of God go into each person that hears this in the room and online. Adjustments that need to be made. Some of these things are affecting health. They're affecting emotional equilibrium. Lord, I ask you, may lists disappear in the name of Jesus. And Lord, help us to take no account when people do us wrong. They do things they shouldn't do and we know it. But you're the just person and we're to forgive. You make things right. It's not up to us to do it. I ask you, every person online listening, every person listening in the future to a podcast that this is on, and every person in the room, I ask you, let there be an impress of the Spirit of God in every life for us to let go of lists. Now, when I said that, here's what I sense. Some people, you're dealing with things of people who aren't even on earth now. They died. There's at least three people dealing with deceased relatives who did you bad. And they never got paid back for what they did to you. Vengeance is mine, I will repay. If you hold on to it, it ruins your life. You let it go, you can be free. So Lord, help the encumbrance of this to be removed. Enable each person to let things go in Jesus' name. There are marriages that are affected. Distance has come between you and your spouse. Part of that is lists. About the majority of it's lists. Lord, help us to let the lists go. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.